thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today for Jesus the Healer. Thank you for being with us. I tell you, the Word of God will never disappoint us. And I know you're hungry. I've got a studio audience here. They're hungry, and we are here to receive together and to release our faith. Amen. If you have, if you have your Bible there, grab it. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17, listen, if you ever want to know what Jesus' prayer life sounded like, read the chapter. Yeah. This whole chapter is a record of him talking to his father. And so we're going to start in verse 1, John chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus, it says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. You know, when you're praying, it matters where you're looking. Yes. Many times people are praying, but looking at, their, at the problem, yes. looking at the need. When we see Jesus praying, he turned his attention and his focus on his father, right. not really even on anything that he knew he was going to face. It was all about him and his father. Right. So it says that he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour is come. Isn't that something? He knew the times of his life. Mm -hmm. You can know the times of what God has for the different seasons of your life. Yes. Talk about it with the Father. Yes. He says, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Look at verse three. He said, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and know Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Look at that phrase. This is life eternal, knowing him. So we're going to talk today in the next few episodes about knowing God. It is our highest privilege mm -hmm. of all the people. You know, in, in life you can admire people mm -hmm. and that's fine to have admiration and hold honor for certain people who bear the, the kind of fruit in their life that you're looking to bear in your life. And uh, God will give us examples. Remember what Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So God needs examples that he can direct others toward and say, this is what success looks like. This is what faith looks like. This is what walking in love looks like. This is what obedience looks like. This is what following the spirit looks like. So God needs examples. I remember uh, growing up 
And sitting in school, and especially in grade school, I remember one day in particular, I was in the math class and I would, I, uh, we were all supposed to be working quietly, you know, at our desk. And I was trying to work quietly. I just didn't understand what the work was. <laughs> and so I am, I'm trying to work on a problem and I don't understand it. And I've tried to figure it out and I can't. So I just woke up to the teacher and I said, I don't understand this problem. And her first question was this, did you go back to the first the chapter and study the example? Oh, <laughs> I was really just, just tell me. I'm up here, you're here, I'm here, just tell me. She wouldn't, she'd point me to an example. Why? Because in the example, I found my answer. Well, that's why God wants examples in the earth because it, he can point and say, this is the flow I, I want you to, to emulate. This is what I have for you. And he wants to have examples. So uh, it is good and it is right for God to point us to examples. And we need to be examples. What about examples of walking with the Father? God needs that because others need to know what that looks like. Jesus is that example, isn't he? When we look at his earthly life, we see what it, what it was like to, uh, to operate and move with the Father. Really, think of it this way. Jesus was a new species of man. And he made us new creatures in Christ, a new species. No longer after the Adam man, but now after the Jesus man, G, the Christ man, that we are created in his image. And then Jesus lived his life showing us an example of what our life could look like. Don't just see him as the son of God as something unachievable. He lived his life as an example of what the new creature life looks like. Because the word tells us that when you're born again, you are a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it's a new way of living. It's a new way of flowing, a new way of functioning. And Jesus lived that way as an example to us of what our life can look like. Let's not, let's not be okay with less than that. Amen. 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 Well, how come Jesus was able to produce what he was able to produce in this life? Remember what he said? I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. That doesn't just speak of miracles and works. That speaks of fellowship. Where did he hear what his father said in his time of fellowship? Where did he see his father demonstrate what he was to do throughout the day in his time of fellowship? The more time of fellowship we have, the more we'll see. The more we'll hear. Um, I get, I get a wonderful. It's such a privilege that I get to travel all over the world. And um, some of the times when I go to places that I haven't been before, and especially if there's a lot of history to that region or a lot of unique things to see, ministers will sometimes invite me to show me around the region, and I always enjoy that because I like history. And um, if a pastor were to say to me, um, Nancy, there's some really wonderful things we'd like to show that you can't see anywhere else. Would you like to go see those things? And I go, sure, I'd like to. They say, okay, we'll pick you up at one o'clock in the afternoon and we'll go on that trip to see it. And I get, okay, I get in the car and okay, I've got 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah. All right. Well, you got 20 minutes. We can take you 10 minutes that direction and 10 minutes yeah. back. Uh, I'll be able to see what 10 minutes will show me. But if I say to them, you know what? I've got six hours. Okay, we can go three hours this direction and then we can take our time and come back the other direction and give you a whole different view. You see, it's not like I'm earning something, but what I give my time to, I'm able to see more. I'm able to know more. I'm able to hear more about that region. It's the same thing with the fellowship of God. Whatever time we give to it, God will fill it with himself to show us more, that we hear more, we see more. It's not something by earning it, but what we give our time to, we're able to partake of in a greater measure. So this is what Jesus did. He took time. The Bible speaks of in the gospels. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels they record Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, It talks in there that Jesus would get up before daybreak, which was his habit. The Amplified says, which was his habit. He would go to an alone place to pray. So he's not turning that into a law. It's just that was his habit. So his habit was he took time with his father. Now you can imagine before the first 30, the first 30 years before his ministry began on the earth, he was a carpenter. So he had a job. He was a son. He had responsibilities in a household, just like we do. But no doubt he learned to move with his father. He learned to pay attention, listen to his father. Um, You'll remember the first miracle that was ever worked once the anointing came on Jesus. And uh, it was at a wedding. Remember that? I love, I love the interaction we find at that event. His mother comes to him and says, they've run out of wine. He says to her, what's that got to do with me? I, in other words, I'm not the caterer. <laughs> You're telling me catering problems. Those are kitchen issues. I'm, you know, that's not the, the I'm, I'm a guest here. <laughs> um, but he said, my time is not come yet. Listen, the anointing had just come on him. She was helping him transition from being a carpenter to a miracle worker. And um, so he said, my time is not yet. And I love, I love Mary's response. She quit talking to him. I love that. You see the interaction between a mother and a son. And um, <laughs> she says, they don't ha- they've run out of wine. He said, what's that got to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. She's not done talking to him. <laughs> she turns to the servants and she says, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Yes. And she walks off. <laughs> what she do? She put a command and a demand on him to say something. They needed words. To know what to do, they needed words to know what he said. We're the same way. To know what to do about our situations, we need to know what he said. The more we listen, the more we'll hear. My mother used to say this to me. She said, well, I would hear her say it to the grandkids especially. 
you got your ears on? <laughs> you know, they'd be in her house and run around. She'd be talking to them and they're just running. She'd stop me. You got your ears on? Yeah. Well, she, she was saying this, I'm talking and you're not listening. Right. Yeah. So we don't want to live our Christian life with him ready to say something, but we're not listening. Right. So at that marriage where Jesus worked his first miracle and that was the wine, the water turned into wine, Mary gave a command. She initiated, she initiated the miracle. And it was a miracle of provision, a miracle of provision. And she initiated that. God didn't initiate that. Jesus didn't initiate that. She did. Why? There was a need. And she says, I know how it can get met. Now notice what she said to the servants that were there working at that site. She said, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Now, did she know what he was going to say to them? No. We don't have any record that she did. Maybe, you know. How did, she, how did she know to have him to say something? How did she know that what he said would work? Because even though the anointing for ministry had just come on him and he never worked a miracle uh-huh. till the anointing came on him. Right. He wasn't out in the playground at, you know, as a child healing the little children. Uh-huh. Because that only happened after the anointing came on him. That happened when he was baptized, 30 years old, by in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. You'll remember that. And so once that anointing came on him, powers come on him. Now, Now these miracles and things can come to pass. But how did Mary know whatsoever he says to you do it? Because he lived his life that way before the anointing came. He only did what his father said. He only did what his father said. She knew she was safe in telling them to get this miracle. Just do what he says. So this is is where our miracles rest in what he says. And it is up to us to initiate hearing what he has to say. When we need a miracle, he has something to say to us. Either by his word, through your pastor, God can say something that is your answer. The Spirit can speak to you. You don't have to wait for a dramatic leading, a dramatic voice. But on the inside, you'll just know this is how He's leading me. There will come a knowing, that inward witness of the Spirit. But know this, every time you need a miracle, take time to know what is He saying to you. Because sometimes what He has to say to us is a correction to make. Sometimes it's an instruction like get brother so-and-so to agree with you in prayer. Mm-hmm. What are you doing then? You're borrowing someone's faith. Yes. Yes. You know, even if you say my faith is not in a place to receive this miracle, well, there's other faith. Right. Somebody else has faith. Yes. You can add their faith to your faith and you'll have the appropriate amount to lay hold of what you need. Some, you just have to know what is he saying to you about your situation that particular day. It's not about trying to repeat everything the exact way he said maybe to do things last year. Hear today what he says to you today. And that's why Jesus took time with his father before he was out among the multitudes ministering. What was God going to say to him? He wanted to hear what he said so that he would know what to say. He wanted to see what he showed so that Jesus would know what to do. Amen. 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 So we could say this, the miracles 
And the healings that were worked under Jesus' earthly ministry, they began in Jesus' time of fellowship with his Father. They showed up out here among the multitudes, right? They showed up in the lives of the people, but it began with Jesus hearing and seeing what the Father was saying and showing. That speaks of fellowship. Out of Jesus' fellowship, multitudes were healed. That was the result. Because he fellowshiped with his Father based on the Word. He was the Word made flesh. But he, he, he lived in line with God's Word. Right. Yeah. Um, somebody uh, that was very close to Catherine Coleman and worked with her. Now, Catherine Coleman was a woman that had a, an outstanding anointing with healings and miracles. Yeah. The, the Word of Knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding healings would go into operation in her meetings and many multitudes were healed and such a strong anointing on her life. But one man who worked closely with her made a wonderful statement. He it was really an observation. And he said, her fellowship with God made it easy for others to receive their miracle. Now listen to that. Her fellowship with God made it easy for others to receive their miracle. So what they, she would just come out and minister to the multitudes based on her, her, how she knew her father, how she knew the word and how she knew what, how, how the spirit of God would lead her. That came out of fellowship, private devotional time. You don't learn his voice primarily in public. You learn it in the back room of your life. The private times, the quiet times. You know, when my husband and I got married, uh, we had a really unique um, way we met and how we got together, which I may share with you in a few minutes. I'm not going to go into all that right now. But (laughs) I didn't get to know him well publicly. I got to know him well privately. Times where no one else was around and we could sit and engage one another because we talked privately in a way we never would have spoken to each other publicly. It's the same thing with their fellowship with the Father. In the intimate places and the intimate times, you will hear him in a way that, or know him in a a way that you won't initially know him that way publicly. But once you know him in one way privately, of course, there is the public side to every relationship. Isn't that right? There's a private side. There's a public side. And they're, they're, they both need to be experienced. But many times people will only, um, Christians, we don't want to do this, only bring our fellowship with God to a public place Sunday morning when everybody else is around. And that's our only time that we give him a thought. That's the only time we give his word attention or that's the only time we enter into a time of worship and praise. It's right to do it publicly, but that shouldn't be our only time because then we're cheating the richness of the fellowship that he longs to have with us. Listen, God is a father and more than anything, he longs for fellowship with his children. He longs for that fellowship. And more than anything, nothing will nourish our lives like fellowship with the Father. Fellowshipping with Him in the Word, fellowshipping with Him in prayer. Amen.
So uh, I, I so appreciate what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse three. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Knowing them, knowing them. Amen. Intimate. Talking uh, the things that are important to you, talking, uh, talking to them about it. He, uh, he, God longs for that fellowship. It's not, you know, it's not only deep spiritual things we can fellowship with him about. Mm-hmm. Say, Father, I need help with this thing I'm doing on my job. Sure. <laughs> Talk to him about every detail. You know, um, it's when you get older and you get married and you have, you have a, a spouse, one of the things that you want to draw out of that union is that you have somebody who's on the same page with you, that you can talk about things that are on your heart with them and you know they'll handle them right. And it's the same thing with God, the richness of fellowship. He does, he's not only interested in your spiritual life, he's interested in every arena, every compartment, every facet of your life. Talk to him about it. Amen. Amen. And haven't you ever noticed that people that you've only recently met, you've only known them maybe for maybe an hour, you don't take everything that is a most treasured to you and dump it out in a conversation to them, do you? Why? Why? Because you don't know them well enough to open up the things of your heart to them. Well, um, God is worthy of knowing the intimate things. And if people don't share with him the intimate things, it's a time issue. It's a time issue. Taking time because it takes time to know him. Just like it takes time to know any other human. You can't know them in a moment. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are some things that can transpire that haven't you ever met somebody and the moment you met them, it's like you've known them your whole life. There's a divine fit. But even still, there's time involved in having an exchange of fellowship. There's a time element. Uh, The more time we give to knowing him, the more we'll know him. Not knowing him just based on emotions, Mm -hmm. but knowing him based on the word, knowing him based on fellowship with him around his word. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And... um, the greatest, the richest privilege of our life is the invitation to know him. And he invites us that as far as we will go into fellowship, he'll meet us that far. But if we're okay with very little fellowship, he will not force himself upon anyone. He only enters fellowship with us based on our invitation. He won't force himself. Um, What would be sad is for, and this happens, Mm -hmm. people get married. Mm -hmm. That if someone is a husband and a wife, that's their relationship. But fellowship is different. Fellowship is what you enjoy within a relationship. So relationship and fellowship are two different things. Uh, You can have a father and a son, that's their relationship but that doesn't mean that they're in close fellowship with each other. You can have a daughter and a mother, a daughter and a father. That's their relationship. That's how they're related to one another. But that's not a picture of their fellowship. And what is sad is when people get married 
and they never invest in their fellowship of that relationship. And they end up after years of living together saying, you know what? I still don't understand you. (laughs) And it said how much fellowship we enjoy is based on how interested we are in developing that fellowship. Sometimes in a marriage, people are more interested in their career, in making money, in getting ahead in life and what they call, what the natural world calls success. And they end up putting everything towards that and they don't, they're not interested in getting to know their spouse other than as far as they already know them. Well, we can rob ourselves of fellowship within a relationship, even naturally speaking. Well, even so, if we're not careful, we are, listen, when you're born again, God is your father. You are his child. That relationship is intact. But we don't want to have a relationship and not enjoy why we're in the relationship is to have fellowship. So not just say, oh, I belong to him. Know the one you belong to. Learn, have fellowship with him and enjoy that fellowship. Listen, I've had times in, in years past when I was so occupied with the work of the ministry. And I remember going aside because I have a place where my family will go, a, a place that we own and uh, you can get away from the activities of the day. And the first day I sat down to just take my Bible, my books, I went to a lone place and I'm sitting there studying and uh, I start talking to God and worshiping him. And the first thing he said to me is he says, I've missed your fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I go, wow. Oh, because what I mean to say by that is he is ever ready for fellowship if we'll turn there. His fellowship is not something we earn. It's something we turn toward. Enjoying his fellowship, we don't earn it. We turn toward him. We can't read our Bible enough to earn his fellowship. We can't pray long enough to earn his fellowship. We don't have to earn it because we're in relationship with him and with every relationship is the, is the opportunity for fellowship. So we can enjoy our fellowship as much as we'll turn toward it. Amen. Amen. Listen, he so longs for ongoing fellowship with you, not just preachers, you, because he paid everything for you because he loved you and he loves you because he wants fellowship with you. Isn't that wonderful to know? There will be people that enter your life and people that exit it, but never God. God won't exit. He's always there ready and waiting for our fellowship. Well, this is just the beginning of us talking about some of the things that I minister on this book. His presence shall be my dwelling place. How many of you know he's in us? He's always present, but it's our privilege to learn to become mindful of his presence and live mindful of his presence. Amen. So we invite you to get hold of this book. Go to our website at defrayministries.org. Let us know that you need this and we'll get it right out to you. And until next time that we're with you, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, 
visit DufresneMinistries.org. A man's perception of God's nearness is what marks him for glory. Because when someone knows God is present, he lives a more faith-filled life. In this powerful book, His Presence Shall Be My Dwelling Place, Nancy Dufresne teaches how to be more aware of the presence of God on a daily basis. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. If you need prayer, please call our prayer line. We have trained ministers on staff who are ready to agree with you for your miracle. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.